steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, we are talking about the Vikings' first victory of the year. They take down the Houston Texans, who were also 0-3 coming into this matchup, by a score of 31-23, to barely escaping a late onslaught by Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller. But ultimately, your Vikings have a win on the board now. We can all take that sigh of relief that there would not be an 0-16 season, despite how bad it looked early on. And even better... Is there some really nice moments for pretty much everyone on this team yesterday? Uh, Kirk Cousins shined in moments. J- Justin Jefferson is becoming a star overnight. Dalvin Cook kept chugging along, and Adam Thielen contributed another 100-yard game. So the offense had a really nice performance. And like I said, your Vikings are on the board with the victory. So <clears throat> we'll go through all of that today, uh, break down what went right, uh, look at a couple of areas for improvement as always, um, and try to get out of here in a quick 30 minutes or so. So... Let's start where we are, the quarterback position. Uh, Kirk Cousins, I was not kind to him last week. Uh, you weren't particularly kind either. Uh, but this week he came back and put up a pretty nice game. You know, 16 for 22, 260 yards through the air, one touchdown, and a, a per attempt average of 11.8, which is outstanding. So Kirk Cousins was a big factor here, uh, getting the Vikings to into the red zone, and then ultimately uh, he also had a, chipped in a touchdown as well to Adam Thielen on a very nice throw. So what's your uh, thoughts on the performance by Kirk Cousins here? Uh, is there any reason to think that this might be the version of Kirk Cousins we'll see moving forward? Or is this just kind of, you know, as you said before the show, you know, a good performance against a team that was really on the brink of firing its head coach slash GM? I mean, it's, it's both, I think. Um you know, the Texans are, are clearly discombobulated in a lot of ways. And if talk about a team that is not set up for the future either. Uh, the Dolphins have both of their first and second round picks uh, right. next year. So that's fun to think about if you're a Dolphins fan. But uh, in this game with Kirk, I'm going to start with Kirk because I had a discussion today with one of my friends. And he's actually a Packers fan. And he's kind of, he was understandably confused at the kind of mixed uh uh, mixed feelings I have about the team right now and about Kirk in particular, because like Kirk was, I thought was awesome uh, yesterday and you know, the stat sheet doesn't show it in particular, but I thought he was, he was great. It's very efficient uh, pinpoint accuracy and uh, several throws. And if you look back at the first quarter of the season, I think, you know, besides the Colts game and then like maybe two to three plays from each, the first Packers <laughs> game and then the Titans game, uh, he's been great, right? Uh, I think it's just been a couple of big plays and key moments in those in the Packers game and the Titans game, and then really all of the Colts game, which is kind of it's not really Nick. That's kind of a lot of the season, right? But <laughs> the the pinpoint passings there, the uh, the arm you know the arm talent that's never been in doubt, right? And I think you, you saw it with the Texans game is that he got great pass, and clearly Justin Jefferson is something special. So now you're seeing the whole situation thing around Kirk, right? 
I think it's it's better than maybe we thought it was, or would have said it was a couple weeks ago. And that is, of course, translating to Kirk playing better. It's like it's weird because I think Kirk's playing really well right now. I think he had a good game against the Titans, and I think he had a much better game against the Texans. And at the same time, like the the, the conversation I have with my friend is that at the same time you hate the contract, so it's kind of a give and take. There is that. The Vikings are handicapped by that contract. It sucks, but you have to give Kirk credit when he does have a great game, which he did against Houston. Um, and I want the stat I wanted to reference was Arif Hassan tweeted out yesterday after the game, at least prior to the Sunday night game, Kirk had the best completion percentage over expectation yesterday uh, in that game where he, based on the difficulty of throws, right? So like depth of target, how near defenders right. were, uh, all of that stuff. Based on difficulty of throws, he was expected to complete 56% of those passes. That's what the average quarterback would have done, and he completed 73%. So that indicates, you know, he was baking his throws and doing it at a higher clip than most quarterbacks. Uh, he, he still can play. Like, there are clear deficiencies, and I think they come out very strongly, and we like to really criticize them, and I'm very much guilty of that. But you have to give him credit when he has a good game, and I think he really had a really, really solid performance against Houston. Okay, so the individual performance against the Texans was definitely good, right? Uh, I don't think it makes up for any of the kind of raw emotions that I had coming into this game. You know, what I saw from Kirk Cousins was very, very solid, and it was good enough to win, again, against Houston. It was good enough to win against Houston. Now, what my, my next question then becomes is like, okay, if this is good Kirk Cousins, what happens, like, can we get this guy against a team that matters? Right. Can we get this in bigger moments? Because he was I mean, I can't even deny it. You know, like there is there was plenty of excellent moments yesterday against Houston where Cousins was he was the reason why the Vikings were winning the football game. Right. Whether it was dropping in a dime to Justin Jefferson, who really made every one of Kirk's decisions to throw to him look like a good idea. Just based yeah. off the fact that he can he can. His I'm catch surprised, by the way, at the, trust, at the trust Kirk has in Jefferson and you know, like the, the single coverage, one-on-one down the right. field, kind of throw, go up and get it situations. He seems to trust Jefferson there, which is good because Jefferson seems to be getting it done there. Exactly, exactly. So and you remember the one of the big critiques that I gave Kirk last week was saying that, you know, he's honing in on just one guy. Like, spread the ball out around a little bit more. Let's see what this offense can really do. And one of the, in my mind, one of the highlights from yesterday's performance by him is you throw 22 passes, right? Eight of them are caught by Thielen. Four of them by Jefferson, two for Rudolph, two for Cook, and you targeted B.C. Johnson and Irv Smith as well. So you're spreading the ball a little bit around, you know, again, a bit of a smaller sample size with only 22 pass attempts yesterday. But that's what you want, right? Like, you want Kirk Cousins to only have to throw 20 to 25 times, then you get Dalvin Cook somewhere between 20 and 30 carries. He's got 27 yesterday. A couple for Alexander Madison, you know, and then maybe you do some sort of, like, an end around to Jefferson, or in this case it was Thielen yesterday. That's kind of the way that you want this offense to look, right? Like they played on schedule yesterday. They played, <clears throat> excuse me, they played disciplined football. They played smart football. There wasn't any stupid penalties for the most part, at least on the Viking side. And they were, for the most part, put in a position to win, not just by the play calling, but by Kirk Cousins as well. And then, of course, Delvin Cook has just been outstanding at churning up yards and getting first downs when you seem to need it. And then Jefferson... I don't know how one of the biggest critiques I have of this Viking season now is after two games of him being involved in the game plan is what did you not see before to get him involved beforehand? Right? Like, I understand that. BC it's Johnson the same thing as Diggs. It's the same thing as Diggs 2015. Like, how is it to the point where he was inactive? 
and then but, he shows up and he's a stud immediately. That's what we're seeing. But the Vikings were losing games this time. Last time when they were sitting digs, it was like they were about a 500 team. They were straight up like getting sloshed, right? So, I mean, I don't know how you don't make that move sooner. Again, that's beside the point. He's on the field now. He's catching everything that's thrown in his direction, basically. An 80%. Uh, yeah, five. Yeah, four out of five yesterday. Over 100 yards, which is Over 100 super yards. efficient. That's, if you're churning up that many yards per target, you know, I well, let's just get it out there right now. Thielen and, and Jefferson are your top two PFF-graded receivers right now in the entire NFL. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, right? It doesn't. And, I mean, you know, you again, you do have to give some credit to Kirk Cousins here. Like, if you are if you were with me where yesterday you're ready to, you know, get rid of him entirely and do everything possible to do so, and then, you know, he comes into this performance and maybe you got a little bit, you know, a little bit more happy with Cousins. Like, this will do it. We, I mean, we talked about this, right? Like, he did this last year, too. We had a terrible September. Then Kirk Tober kicked in, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, maybe this guy can win some games. Well, yeah. unfortunately, this time, they're 1-3 now, so I'm going to need a little bit more convincing. But, like, this was a very strong performance to, like, to you know, to, Kirk Cousins can go home and sleep easy after this one, right? He played a hell of a game. He was a huge proponent in the Vikings getting it done. And at the end of the day, I mean, who else was going to do it? Who else was going to do this better, this job better than he did yesterday against Houston? He straight up went head to head with Deshaun Watson. Watson had the last chance, didn't quite get it done. Kirk did everything in his power to will this team to victory. You, you tip the cap to that, no matter how you felt about him last week. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I still have now the old school game plan philosophy of giving Dalvin Cook the ball 27 times is probably playing into Kirk's favor here and in, in that he wasn't asked to do a ton most of the game, a lot of play action, right? A ton of play action um, and then deeper concepts with what I thought was pretty solid pass protection. So that's the type of game plan and that's the type of uh, situation that Kirk, I think, can thrive in. And we saw that yesterday with connecting with Jefferson a few times deep. Thielen had a couple plays where he maybe tried to move a little bit with his feet that uh, I think we are seeing that a little bit more than we have in the past with Kirk. Uh, where he does, he is using his feet to get out of the pocket a little bit more. I think there's chances he's missing of it still, but overall, uh, you couldn't have asked much more given, you know, with what he was asked to do, I think he did more than, you know, you would expect uh, someone at Kirk Cousins level to do. So great, great performance. Uh, you have, you can't have any complaints about what Kirk did yesterday. Uh, that's, you know, if he plays that well, is that efficient with his opportunities throwing the ball, Vikings are going to be in games at the very least down the stretch uh, the rest of the season. Absolutely. And, you know, with all that being said, too, you do have to tip your cap to the offensive line yesterday as well, yeah. right? We said going into that game that there's a couple of names to watch out for. And Whitney's merciless for what it's worth. Like, he had a couple of really big plays, a couple quarterback hits. Uh, I think he had two sacks as well. Uh, but J.J. Watt basically neutralized, right? So tip your cap to the, to the offensive line and the performance that they were able to have in front of Kirk Cousins to – you know, give him the situation where he can thrive in, right? I think that we, you know... Bradbury we, was excellent, by the way. Absolutely, yeah. So he's looking like he's taking a step forward in his second season. You know, we know that Kirk Cousins can shine if you give him the perfect situation. You gave him the perfect situation yesterday, right? You get 130 from Cook, you know, 104 from Jefferson, or excuse me, 103 from Jefferson, and 114 from Thielen. I mean, how much more can you ask for from the entire offensive group? That generates 31 points. That's ultimately enough to win. So, um, I mean, you know, Cousins did his job. I think the, the you know, the real star here is that kind of that three-headed monster that the Vikings are developing there. 
you know, I, I know we knew coming into the year that if Adam Thielen could stay healthy, that he'd be, you know, probably a thousand yard receiver. And that Dalvin Cook, same thing. If he can play 16 games, he's probably going to have 1,200 plus yards, probably 1,500 total yards, right? Uh, so this is kind of expected from those guys, but you've mixed in Jefferson in that bunch. You've got one extra piece, one other guy that, you know, opposing cornerbacks have to cover. And, you know, you like this situation offensively. Again, the, the record really puts a damper on this because you, you do have to dig your way out of a hole now. But things are looking more – things are looking better, right, than they did last week for sure, at least in terms of the Vikings' immediate future and as well as, you know, the you know two, three years down the road future where you've got a guy like Justin Jefferson who can really tear it up. I think that's the big takeaway. If you're trying to find a positive spin on the first quarter of the season, it's Justin Jefferson. It has to be. Right. Uh, guys getting open at will, and even if he, when he's not open, you know, he's making the grab anyway. Yeah. He had at least two of them yesterday – and then I think there was at least one against Tennessee where down the field he goes up, high points the ball. That's the kind of – I mean, he seems like er, the early candidate so far out of the receivers. You know, CeeDee Lamb's been great, but he's been getting – you know, that offense is just throwing the ball 60 times a game. Right. It seems like Jefferson's the most efficient and has the most uh, – you know, has had the most positive start so far and that he's in great company there with a bunch of other studs. So – that's the big takeaway, I think, for the Vikings offensively. A positive takeaway through the first four weeks of the season. And I think, I mean, they're putting up points. In three to four games, they put up over 30 points. Um, yeah, I don't think they're having I'm, – I'm pleasantly surprised at the offense outside, you know, with not having digs there. seems like they figured out a way to put points up. And that running game has been super efficient. Dalvin's been really good so far. Mm-hmm. So, of course, we'll get to the defensive side of the ball. But that is clearly the big concern moving forward and I think the big reason why they're one and three and not maybe two and two or even better so the last thing I wanted to touch on is I just wanted to expand more on Justin Jefferson because like the four four receptions for 103 yards is nice right but it's it's how he's getting these receptions too and also when they're coming so I think it was it was either two or three of his catches move the chains on third down I believe all four of them did in fact result in a first down yeah because they all went for 20 they all went for 20 plus yards Right. So every single catch he's making is giving you a new set of downs. The way that he's making these catches, right? You mentioned the high point, right? The mid downfield where he went up and basically just out jumped the cornerback. But the one that really stood out to me was that one down the sideline where it was like he did like a 360, right? And kind of just like repositioned his body. His body control is incredible, right? Yeah. It's incredible. Down the sideline, you've got about what? eight inches to work with and he's spinning his entire body around and getting two feet in on a ball that was either a back shoulder or underthrown. One of the two, like either is is designed perfectly and Kirk Cousins hit it on the, like hit it on the numbers and Jefferson did exactly what he had to do. Or it was an adjustment that he made, which was a veteran caliber adjustment. If that was the case, I mean, he simply, and he did it all in stride too, right? Like every time he catches the ball, it's not just that he's catching it and going down, right? He's a threat after the catch now too. And you can say that with, you know, after a 70-yard touchdown, sure. But now after, what, four more 20-yard catches? I mean, he's doing damage every time the ball is in his hands. You got you have to start finding a way to manufacture touches at this point because he's just becoming that dangerous. And literally, I mean, it's basically two games for him, right? I mean, I know that he was a factor. He had, what, two catches and 20 yards beforehand. Yeah. But, like, it's really just two games of the Justin Jefferson experience. And I'm really enjoying myself personally. Right, and so this is the other stat I looked at yesterday. There are, in the last 10 years, there's only been one receiver that's put up more yards in their first four played than Justin Jefferson. Uh, so he's clearly among the best and fastest starts at receiver of any 
you know, of these, you know, take all the superstar receivers out there right now in the league. He's having as good or better uh, of a start to their careers than any of them. The only guy better is Stefan Diggs, uh, ironically, <laughs> but uh, that's, I mean, the guys, the guys for real. And I'm not, we're not going to put him in the Diggs category yet because Diggs, by the way, is also having a phenomenal season uh, with right. Buffalo. But Jeff, I mean, it's nice to get the early return on him that, you know, there's always there always had been that concern with Vikings drafting receivers early and it hadn't really been great. Mm-hmm. Um, and Diggs really in that fifth round has kind of been the one saving grace for Spielman and his record of drafting receivers. And so it's nice that Jefferson is providing this great, uh, you know, this great return so early. And it is, granted, very early, a lot of football left, a lot of career left for Justin Jefferson, but he looks awesome so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So with that said, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, The Vikings defense did allow 23 points yesterday, but ultimately when it came down to it, right, uh, Deshaun Watson had a chance in the back of the end zone to hit Will Fuller. Initially ruled a touchdown, would have put the uh, Texans in position to get a two-point conversion to tie the game. Uh, That that call was ultimately overturned, and it essentially handed the Vikings the victory then. Uh, So 23 points in total. You also get some nice numbers, right? You get some pretty numbers. DJ Wanham gets his first sack coming completely free on a on a play that was it was had to have been straight Zimmer to hand that sack to Wanham. So he gets his first career sack. Mm-hmm. Um, and Gakwe comes forth with another sack, um, can kind of continuing built to build off of the performances he had the last couple of weeks. And then uh, you also get a uh, you also get a couple nice tackle for losses. A couple other nice big plays as well are mixed in there. But basically, uh, the defense was bend but don't break and at the end they they didn't break and that was kind of the difference there yeah i said they came to as as close to breaking as you really can get i mean that fuller catch was so close to being a legal touchdown uh but clearly i think the big takeaway for the vikings defense was how shambled it seemed to be uh after harrison smith left the game that too yeah uh with the late the was it a I think it was leading with the head, neck area, uh, yeah. dangerous, which it was. I mean, I, I kind of agreed with the ejection. Like, if you're going to have that rule in place, that's technically what it's there for. So, uh, But the problem was then Georgia Loca going in and replacing Smith and just it didn't it seemed a couple of the big plays Houston got was because he was out of place. Now, that's my amateur viewing from the quick. You know, I haven't looked back at all 22 or anything, but – uh, it seemed like there was a couple times where like Anthony Harris was telling him like where to go and uh, it resulted in a big play. So I think it seems like both of those big plays or I guess the majority of those big plays that did happen. I don't know if they happened with Harrison Smith on the field. So in, in some ways I'm a less concerned about it than maybe I should be. But also it is frightening to think about where the Vikings are going to be at if there's an injury or some of some kind where Smith does have to miss extended periods of time. Absolutely. So you look at those two big plays, right, that happened in the third and the fourth quarter, both 24-yard touchdown passes, one to Fuller, one to Stills. The Fuller one was absolutely Iloka being in the wrong place, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't even close to being in the right position. And I think that's just a matter of him thinking that he was playing nickel on the play. It sounded like based off of what uh, yeah. they were talking about in the press conference following the game. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, without Harrison Smith, the defense – a defense that already doesn't have much teeth, right, through four weeks, mm-hmm. uh, looked a lot more vulnerable, uh, to say the least. And, uh, yeah, they t- Watson took advantage of that. And, you know, like you said, if that if that foot comes down a millisecond sooner, uh, or excuse me, that ball doesn't move um, when Fuller hit the ground, 
you know, we could be looking at a completely different story right now. And mm-hmm. ultimately that would kind of fall on the defense once again with the, again, we talked about it before the, you know, before the, this game started, those big plays are going to hurt you. I mean, they hurt even more when you don't have a safety out there who, and this is not to say that George Iloka should know how to do everything that Harrison Smith should know how to do, because, you know, at, they said in the press conference that Iloka had been working at nickel, right? And yeah. it's kind of, you know, he was basically asked to play a position that he had, hadn't been practicing at, but he had knowledge from the, of the scheme of yeah. from his time when he was working with Zimmer in Cincinnati. Well, and this is the problem, too, with entering this season with only two safeties on the roster. Like, that, yes. that this, it seems like this is coming back to bite them in the butt quite a bit. And they just signed Iloka recently and brought him up like, this is exactly why a lot of us were concerned about that is, you know, now that you get Smith out of the game for whether it's injury, whether it's an ejection for a, a late, uh, an illegal hit, whatever the case is, this is exactly what we were worried about. And it almost cost the Vikings a game. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. The, the thing is though, is that I, what I will say is that the drop off from Harrison Smith to anyone is going to be a problem. It's just that yeah. the Vikings literally didn't have a solution for a guy who literally just knew where to be, right? Like, Iloka yep. was just straight up in the wrong spot. He wasn't even playing poorly. He just didn't know where to be. And that's on the coaching staff, right? And that's on the general manager, as you said, for not you know, putting together a roster composition that works for this situation. And, yeah, it might be all sunshines and rainbows, right, if Harrison Smith doesn't get ejected, you know, no one ever gets hurt, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But that's a best-case scenario. And let's be real here. It's the NFL, a best-case scenario, especially in Minnesota, rarely seems to actually happen. So. Yeah, I think you have to you have to criticize the coaches a little bit there. You know, they just weren't they simply weren't prepared for this situation, and it happened. So, you know, the Vikings mm-hmm. ultimately do get the win, but you're right that very much could have cost them. And you know, strong performances from a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball could have been negated strictly because of that last play, because you know the Vikings weren't prepared for that situation. But you know, you do have to look at a couple of these performances, right? I thought Jeff Gladney, you know, who did not look mm-hmm. good last week. Uh, he had a couple of nice pass defenses this past week against Houston. Did a nice job out there when asked for a little bit bigger of a role. Cameron Dancer wasn't terrible. I know that he got hurt and missed a couple plays early on. But, you know, from the rookies, you have to be fairly, you know, fairly happy with the performance. I don't think there's anything standing out the way that Justin Jefferson had a, has on the offensive side of the ball. But you have to be happy with the younger guys stepping in and playing, you know, a solid role for the team. And, of course, Eric Kendricks keeps chugging along. He has 12 more tackles. And like I said before, Ngakwe gets his sack. So, you know, is this the model for the Vikings to win this year? Allow 23-ish points, you know, maybe get a a lucky turnover here or there, and then hope the offense can continue to score 30 on average? Because, I mean, that's a winning formula for some teams. 23 points allowed is, it's not good, but it's not bad either. You can win allowing only 23 points. Right. I think, I mean, and I personally, like I said about, you know, Harrison Smith, like I feel like this game isn't, as close as it is if that if Harrison Smith stays in the game. So uh, in a way, I feel a lot better about this defense, um, you know, outside of a couple long completions to Fuller. And I think the touchdown to Stills, like I think this game's different and this might be, you know, a 10 plus point win for Minnesota. So I thought the defense was pretty solid. And again, I think, you know, Houston's offensive line on, on that right side is not awesome. And I think that's part of the reason Gakwe was able to get home and there was some extra pressures there from the edge just because, you know, their, their right side of that offensive line isn't great. And of course, Watson's running around all the time anyway, because he is that boomer bust quarterback. And that is um, good and bad sometimes for Houston. You know, he's going to have take an extra couple sacks. He's going to take uh, an extra couple negative plays to create that long play down the field, which did happen a couple times, but 
Uh, overall, I thought the Vikings handled it pretty well. Um, all things considered, because there is talent on that offense. Uh, you know, there's those receivers have speed like we talked about. And I think just besides one time where I might have been Gladney, actually, that was beaten on that play uh, down the sideline, I think, to Fuller. But other than that, they didn't really get over the top on this defense, which is encouraging because I think this is as much speed in a receiving core as the Vikings may face this season. So t- positive takeaway there. I think I think I would say best performance defensively of the season here. So that have that to build on at least before, you know, you go see Russell Wilson. <laughs> and that, uh, that of course is the next week meeting for the Vikings. We won't be thinking about that until later on this week, but <laughs> cause I don't know Probably how not. that one's going to go. I don't really want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but as, as a whole now, right, so we've gone over the offense, we've gone over the defense. I think that there's a lot of kind of areas to be excited about or, quote, to hi- like highlight moments from this team. You know, they played a good game, right? But on the flip side of that, things that stand out to you that didn't go so well that you'd like to see improvement from, is there, you know, any area that, like, really stuck out to you that looked like a problem for the Vikings for the foreseeable future? I think there's a concern a little bit about Odenabo not registering like a sack yet or, or kind of not being, I'm not going to say non-existent, uh, but I will say that the pressure numbers are getting there. I think he had five this week and I think, believe five last week too, or uh, close to something like that. Um, so he's, you know, it's getting there, right? And I think he's climbing and I think he's due for a sack. I don't know if Russell Wilson's going to be the guy that uh, provides that for him next week, but uh, that's kind of the one thing, you know, because clearly with the news with Daniel Hunter, it doesn't seem... Uh, super uh, likely that he'll play it all this year. And if he does, it's going to be potentially a bad idea for the Vikings to rush him back. So that's the guy you really want to step up and provide that uh, performance off the edge that the Vikings really had the last few years on both sides. And I think Ngakwe is getting there too, but you, you want, you know, if you're going to have a Mike Zimmer defense from the past few years, you got to have that, those, that reliable elite performance on the edge uh, Odenable is going to have to sort of be that guy. And that's a big shoot to fill in, no doubt. Uh, but I think he'll get there eventually. He's getting better each week, uh, more more impact on the game each week. So he's climbing for sure. Yeah, I, I think that for me personally, it's still the cornerbacks, right? Like Holton Hill still makes me really nervous every time the ball goes in his direction. You know, I, I've seen mo- flashes from Dantzler so far, but I'm still, you know, I'm not confident in any of these guys at the cornerback position still. I think that Gladney looks solid, you know, minus the one play that you mentioned. You know, I think that that, you know, they had moments as a group, right? Uh, stop it, making big plays on third down, right? Um, but still, I think you have to be concerned about this cornerback group because, you know, while Watson was very, very solid, he this was not his best performance by any means, right? He wasn't perfect, and yet he still didn't turn the ball over. Right. There is the Vikings cornerback straight up are going to have are they going to get an interception this year? I mean, Holton Hill dropped one that was basically in his hands last week. You know, it's it's I mean, if he catches a, that, the Vikings are two and two right now. Exactly. Exactly. And they didn't. And there's a reason why they're one and three. So, I mean, I, I you know, I, I see a lot of reason to be optimistic here. I, but at the same time, like this hole is deep, man. Like you're one and three heading to Seattle now. There's a very, very real chance this Vikings team is looking one and four by the beginning yeah. of next week. So, you know, I think that Seattle did show some vulnerability against Miami, and there's, you know, real potential for this offense to take off against that defense. But, you know, I still have my concerns coming out of this game with the defense. And, I mean, let's be real here. That catch by Fuller at the end, that ball wiggled, right? It barely moved. It could have just as easily been called to the other side, and we could be having a much different conversation right now. So, 
solid performance. Well, I should say above average performance by the Vikings offense. Good enough for the Vikings defense. That's I don't know. I think that formula is good enough to beat some teams, but I do. I am definitely concerned heading into Seattle. Um, but it's it's you know it, it's definitely nice to see that Jefferson has really stepped in and given you know some very much needed you know, excitement to this team, excitement to this unit and excitement for people like me who weren't thrilled about the idea that Stefan Diggs was getting traded. I mean, I got a pretty nice replacement, um, for him. You know, I'm not, again, nobody's saying he is Stefan Diggs, but the way that he's being used right now, I mean, if you put a 14 on his back, we might, we might forget, you know, that it isn't Stefan Diggs out there some games. Yeah. He's fun to root to or fun, fun to root for too, you know? the gritty and he's got Thielen looking like an idiot out there dancing. It's like, hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's fun. And which is, you know, if the, if the team's going to be bad, it's, I think it's better to be a bad that's you're putting up points, getting into shootouts with other teams and you have young guys like Jefferson to root for that are fun and, you know, at least provide some optimism for the future. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not on the train yet of, okay, the Vikings have this and this and this to do to get to the playoffs. I'm not worried about that right now. Uh, that might change if they can somehow beat Seattle next week. But of course we know how, you know, the demons that come with the Vikings playing in Seattle, usually not great. So, uh, but this win is, it's fun. Like it, it, it gives a, an extra sense of, um, you know, entertainment value, uh, you know, and, and fun to the season that the first three weeks did not show much of. So that's good. And it seems like the Vikings are kind of past those first two games that were just super, super ugly. At right. least they have, you know, they're, they're going to be competitive in games, which is honestly more than we kind of thought after two games this year. Absolutely. And it's, it's nice to see that payoff, too, especially for guys like Jefferson, right? To It's not just that you're putting up stats now. The team is now winning as a result of you. So yeah. it's nice to nice to put that one in the column for the younger guys just so they can get a taste, right? And, you know, like you said, if things go the right way in Seattle, you know, Neither of us sound too hopeful about that, and we'll obviously spend uh, you know some good a good chunk of time later on this week uh, going down going over that matchup. But if something good happens there for the Vikings, I mean two and three mid October, I mean all of a sudden turning they the would ship around, get Atlanta. Atlanta would be their next game, so I mean turning things uh, around seems a little bit more likely. Yeah, extra playoff spot too. Now the NFC uh, West looks awesome <laughs> right now, so and honestly that might that whole division might make the playoffs. So. There's, of course, a lot more to consider, and it's 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 foolish of us to even put, spend as much time on it as we are. But um, <laughs> it is what it is. It, it's fun to think about that. That's it's being nice a fan, to have right? a moment. It's, yeah, it's fun being a fan. You know, that's that's part of it. Like you get your first win, you're like, oh, okay, well, here's what can happen. Uh, in week eight, you know, this team loses, this team wins. Uh, right. But we'll, uh, of course, Vikings got to take care of Seattle next week to even start that conversation. Absolutely. All right, then. Well, that uh, wraps up the show then. So like we, Drew and I have been alluding to, we'll be back later on this week discussing the Vikings matchup with the Seahawks uh, this this weekend. Um, as always, you can find us on Daily Norseman. Check out the rest of the Climbing the Pocket Network. Climbing the Pocket Network. And uh, our shows are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Um, and I think that's all I got for you. So thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Ooh.